Hello and welcome to episode four of Dry Jan Like a Sober Rebel. It's day four of your month and I hope you've had another good night. Let's get stuck straight in today because there's a lot to get through. We're going to begin the process now of digging down and challenging each one of those thoughts about alcohol that will have been coming up for you, those beliefs you hold about it that keeps you drinking when you don't want to be. There are some amazing books on this subject. The ones I recommend are William Porter's books, Alcohol Explained 1 and 2, because they break down any arguments your brain will be offering you to say, oh, just have a drink because you're tired or lonely or bored. In his books, he has logical and scientific explanations for each one of those excuses so that you can bat away those thoughts. So they're brilliant. You can get the book on audiobook or in print. And even though I'm not directly quoting him with any of the content in this podcast, I'm sure that his books have now become so ingrained into my subconscious mind that I'm bound to be paraphrasing him in some way. So all credit to you, William. I'll put the link to his books in the show notes so you can look into it further. So, so far you've been journaling and noticing any thoughts you've been having around alcohol. And if you haven't yet had any thoughts that you want to drink, take some time today to have a think about the thoughts that could trip you up in the future. What do you believe alcohol adds to an event or even to your life in general? What we're looking to do in this process is make notes about potential triggers and reasons as to why you think you drink. So some of these could include I drink to relax. I drink through boredom. You could be drinking to help you sleep or because the kids are playing up. You can tell that was one of mine. Or you could believe that you're drinking to have fun, to celebrate or to enjoy things. You may have a belief that things just aren't as enjoyable without a drink in your hand. But the problem is if you don't challenge and let go of all of these probably very long-held and very common beliefs about alcohol, then you'll do this month and the next time you feel the need to relax, your brain is going to tell you a drink will help. Or the next time you want to celebrate, your brain is then going to tell you that alcohol equals celebrating. So we need to unpick them and we need to let these go. And this actually applies if this is just a break for you in this 30 days. So if you're planning on drinking after this 30 days, you still need and would benefit from doing this. If you're going sober for the long haul, these are the foundations for your sobriety. Because you want to remove those automatic drinks that you reach for when you're looking to self-soothe. I'm very aware that this could be the start of sobriety for some. And for others, this 30 days is just a reset and everyone is individual. As I say, take what works for you and ignore what doesn't. For me, I've chosen sobriety because moderation doesn't work for me but you choose and do what you want to. But back to digging out unhelpful thoughts and beliefs. This is a really useful tool for anyone to have in their toolbox for all parts of your life. As what we're thinking about things, what we're thinking about ourselves, are always the things that hold us back in life. So we need to get used to pulling those thoughts and beliefs out into the spotlight because that's how we get rid of them. I liken it to placing the belief or thought into the dock like you're in a court of law and then you can cross-examine it. You can see the truth in the situation. 
And this is so useful when it comes to breaking the habit of drinking alcohol. Going sober is much more than simply not picking up an alcoholic drink. It's actually working out and challenging why you reached for alcohol in order to change those patterns. And those will be so many and varied and so individual to you. With any thought that you're having that alcohol is somehow an addition to your life or necessary and that you're going to miss it versus the reality of what it is. It's a toxin that's subtracting from your life. One of the things that helped me was thinking back to when I was a child. I didn't need to have alcohol to have fun or to relax. So it proved to me that my natural state didn't need it. I just needed to get back to that natural state. So what we're going to do over the next few episodes is build your case against alcohol so that you remove any illusion of what it's adding. Because I can promise you it's actually adding nothing. And wouldn't it be better if you are looking to reintroduce alcohol later on to be choosing those drinks that you really want versus the ones you've told yourself you need? So let's start with the first belief, and it's a really, really common one, and that is that you're drinking to relax. The belief that drinking helps you to relax is such a widely held one, and it's one you'll have had reaffirmed to you from many different sources in your life, from family, friends, work colleagues, TV adverts, society in general, even social media memes and jokes and status shares. It's been seeping into your subconscious for a long, long time. But that doesn't mean it's true. And it doesn't mean you need to continue to believe it from now on. It doesn't matter what everyone else does. So does alcohol really help you relax? Well, first off, it's a sedative. So from that perspective, it may feel like it's relaxing you because it's depressing and affecting your central nervous system. Also, it can help you switch off your mind, and this is what I was using it for. It can help you forget any fears or worries for a short while. But what happens when the alcohol wears off is that it brings back all those things tenfold. Any worries you have, any fears you have, and then you're also hungover to boot. There was a recent study released by the Rand Corporation And it was supported by the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. It says that drinking has soared during the pandemic, and I think we all know that's true. But what's interesting is that mental health has also been rising. And as people's depression increases, anxiety increases, and alcohol is often a way then to cope with those feelings. But the thing is, and what most people don't actually realise, is that depression and anxiety are also the outcomes of drinking. It's like a horrifying feedback loop, which is exacerbating the problem, and those statistics are proving that. As someone who helps people with anxiety, I want to dedicate a whole episode in a few days' time to this subject, as it's so common, sadly, and learning more natural techniques to relax is key, and it will help you in your sobriety. So let's look at the science, because you can't argue with science. Alcohol and your brain. Alcohol has a biphasic effect on the brain. It both increases dopamine levels, leading to feelings of euphoria, and at the same time, it inhibits excitatory neurotransmitters, which slows down your brain functioning. 
the slowing down of the excitatory neurotransmitter, is how alcohol acts as a depressant. And once your dopamine levels go back to normal and that high reduces, we're still left with a depressed system, which often leads to you craving the next drink to get your dopamine levels back up. So the more we drink, the less effect alcohol actually has on our dopamine receptors. But by then, our brains learn to crave alcohol, which makes us feel stressed. And then we think alcohol is helping us to relax. So this interfering with our neurotransmitters can increase anxiety, often for the entire day after drinking. And for those of you that have found yourself in a daily drinking pattern, you'll understand that this is leading to wanting a drink the next evening to wind down, causing the entire cycle to start all over again. So if you're suffering from anxiety, cutting out alcohol will help. And it's a vicious cycle. It's important not to be tricked by the temporary feeling of relaxation from the drink to avoid being trapped in this cycle of drinking alcohol, feeling calm initially as the alcohol affects your brain, and then feeling anxious as a symptom of alcohol withdrawal. And then obviously wanting to drink again to try to relieve your anxiety that the alcohol was exacerbating in the first place. And that repetition of drinking the next day only starts that whole process over again from the beginning. As I've touched on, the more you drink, the greater your tolerance for alcohol, meaning you need to drink more and more to get the same feeling. If you're relying on alcohol to mask your anxiety, you may find yourself becoming reliant on it over time to relax. And that's the same for any reasons you drink. It all puts you at risk of alcohol dependence. One of the first questions I ask people that come into the clinic regardless of what they're coming to see me about, is how much alcohol they drink. And that's not because I'm judging them or I want everybody to go sober, but because it affects anxiety and it affects your mood. So does alcohol help you relax? It's a lie. It makes you think it does, but in the long term, it's making you feel more stressed and anxious. So next time you have that thought, you can argue with logic. Let's move on to the next thought, alcohol and sleep. While alcohol initially might help us fall asleep because it's a sedative, as little as one drink too close to bedtime wreaks havoc on both the quality and the quantity of sleep. It interferes with the sleep stages and this has been proven scientifically, especially REM sleep, the restorative part of the sleep cycle. And when alcohol leaves your bloodstream, you're often then jolted awake as your nervous system, coming off several hours in a depressed state, tries to achieve homeostasis by lurching you into active mode. I don't know about you, but the 3 or 4am wake up was becoming a regular feature for me. Let's face it, sleep is the ultimate self-care activity. But also in early sobriety, that can sometimes take time to settle down. So don't expect changes straight away. But sleep is important, especially when it comes to our mental and physical health, our overall well-being, and it can't be underestimated. It is the first line of defence against chronic anxiety and depression. And if you're interested in more about the subject of sleep, there's an amazing book by Matthew Walker called Why We Sleep, which I highly recommend reading. Alcohol causes no end of problems from midnight ruminating and overthinking and struggling to get to sleep, 3am wake-ups night sweats, morning headaches and brain fog 
And they're all signs that alcohol is impacting your sleep and heightening anxiety, which is what everyone wants to avoid. So the next time you feel stressed by a hard day at work or the traffic being a nightmare, just remember the effect alcohol has. While it's giving with one hand, it's taking away with the other. The short-term and very short-lived momentary forgetting of a problem that means the problem is magnified afterwards. Throughout this month, it's really essential you're identifying these potential stumbling blocks that, as I say, will be individual to you. And for me, let's touch on one of mine, boredom. Boredom was a massive trigger for me. And I had to really investigate and challenge this notion that drinking alcohol helps with boredom. I had to sit there and ask myself, how entertaining is it to sit there drinking a drink? When you look at it logically, it's bonkers. It's a drink that's an anaesthetic and it's gently zoning me out. So I came to the conclusion that surely I'm better off becoming more comfortable with a feeling of calmness and with stillness and time than I am trying to anaesthetise myself out of some sort of fear of it. I had to tell myself, just go and find more hobbies, read more books. I was simply terrified of space and time. I've always had a racing mind and that's something that I've learned over the years to embrace and I know that I always want lots of projects on at any one time but I also have to learn other ways and techniques of relaxing. I was using alcohol to relax in the past. If you're using alcohol to slow your energy down or to self-medicate or to avoid feeling bored you're not alone. You need to start to become comfortable with the space and the time. You need to embrace it. Sometimes we're meant to be bored. The opposite of boredom is excitement and you can't live your life constantly in a state of excitement. Boredom is necessary for contrast. So I reframed the word boredom in my mind and I replaced it with the word calm because it was just a better way of looking at things. As a drinker, my life was always so hectic one way or another and I was then on a biological level always processing alcohol one way or another throughout the day as it's affecting your body for days. So I lived on a bit of a hyped high, a mum of two running two businesses and running a house, teamed with feeling generally below par and just a bit ropey. I had to get comfortable with being bored and it's nothing to be scared of. I don't know what I was scared of, I really don't. And at the end of the day you'll find things to entertain yourself or you'll just get more comfortable with time and space. Both are wins. Drinking to zone yourself out to avoid boredom certainly isn't the answer. And ask yourself, how entertaining is it raising a drink to your mouth? It's not the most entertaining of activities. The other thing I found is I saved more money as a non-drinker, so I signed up to online courses. I read things, I bought books, I learnt things. Find ways to stimulate your brain if it needs entertainment. And also, I realised how much time I'd been wasting, being wasted. It's a total cliche, but we've only got one life. And now I'm really focused on being present and enjoying each and every moment, even if that's a calm moment that I would have previously said I was bored in. Oh, and incidentally, if you feel bored around certain people or at certain events find more interesting people and things to do. That's my biggest tip. If you need to dull and slow yourself down to enjoy something, 
then I'd probably suggest you aren't truly enjoying it in the first place. I find myself to be far more discerning now with who I spend my time with and what I spend it doing. So I'm continuing the theme tomorrow of digging out those beliefs or thoughts that keep you drinking when you don't want to be. In tomorrow's episode, we're going to talk about nights out or events and how to navigate them sober. So I want to impart some good hints and tips that I've picked up along the way and also that other people have shared with me to help you navigate those first sober events or nights out. And just to remind you, although I've created this, especially for this dry January period, all of these episodes will help you in your first month of sobriety, no matter what the time of year. So please do share it if you feel it could help someone. If you'd like to find out more about my story, then you can head to my website, louisaevans.com, where you'll find lots of useful links, including a link to my audiobook on Audible. And you'll also find a range of hypnosis and relaxation downloads that you can try at home on there. Use code SOBERREBEL, all one word, to buy one, get one free. You may like to follow me on Instagram at Stepping Into Sobriety. All of the links are in the show notes. All of the advice contained within this podcast is for grey area drinkers. If you suspect you have alcohol dependence or are drinking heavily, please do contact your GP for advice and support before attempting to quit. Have a great day and I'll catch you tomorrow.